Hello, everyone. This is episode 31. We actually checked it. It's 31 of High Fantasy, member of the Broken Jars Network. And uh, sorry for the delay, but let's just talk about productivity, right? We, we've been productive in uh, the past month, right? Uh, uh, oh, right. Go, yeah, sorry, Jacob. To, to an extent, yeah. I uh, got several thousand more words done on Andromeda's Love. Uh, we're actually farther along on that than I realized. We're at like the 60K word mark. Oh, nice. That yeah. is impressive. I that thought we were in that like 45, 50 months, range. And so I'm like, I was like, oh, crap, we got to start winding this thing up now. Because <laughs> <laughs> our original goal was 70,000. So we're, we're definitely going to hit that. Um, and I submitted reservations at eight to a publisher yesterday. So exciting. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for that rejection letter. <laughs> Well, hopefully but it's, it's a kind of rejection letter, yes. Yeah, there, there's levels of rejection. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So hopefully, you know, it uh, it all works out. But so, yeah, I've been productive. Hopefully this next couple of weeks I'll be able to be real productive because my life is actually returning to some <laughs> normalcy that I haven't had in about two months. So hopefully I'll be actually have the time to write and, because I've been I've been putting out some high quality content. I feel like I just haven't been putting out a lot of high quality quantity content. Content. <laughs> if this was a new episode from the last time we did it two weeks ago when we tried, I would have to say no. But I'll just reuse what I was going to say last time that I had some words done. <laughs> some words. I haven't done anything since I got like two thousand words on that story. But uh, I haven't done anything since the last time we tried to make a podcast. This like, 2,000 yeah. words is on that George Washington yes. fantasy version. Which now I just want to delete because Erickson posted a thing deconstructing um, the first scene from the first book. And holy shit, does he just put so much more thought into things. Like, and now you feel inadequate? Yes. Whatever. Also has the time to put more thoughts into things. He gets paid to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a also, milestone. He spent 10 years shopping around, so he had lots of time to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I Alex. have actually put words in my outline for the Victorian story. There's Ooh, a couple of things what? that like, clicked together, so I started just doing that. It got, like, it's an outline, but I've got like another page or something on it. It's kind of cool, and I hope to continue. Nice. nice. Yes. Go with it as it's easy, but... And our topic for today is, we call it ailments, because I think that encompasses everything. We mean injuries or disfigurements or poisonings that maybe don't stick entirely, or diseases and plagues and fun stuff. Yeah. Things that hurt people. Yeah, the part where your characters get hurt or sick or dying. Yeah. Well, I mean, but the thing is, is with, with this kind of topic is, it's not just necessarily the characters. Sometimes it's there's an ailment in the world, mm-hmm. you know. So there's there there are many more things that are more versatile than just like your basic plague. Like you can you can either have it be the MacGuffin of the story, the bad guy of the story, the pushing thing for the hero of the story. There's just so many things that you can do <laughs> with just a general plague, much less you know, more interesting things. Yeah. I mean, I guess to start with like a, an easy example, and hopefully it's not the entire episode, is just Jamie Lannister losing his right hand because it completely changed who he was as a person because he no longer could be the person he was. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think there's an, another good sort of tie-in example of that is like Dresden breaking his back. And if you haven't like read that this is a spoiler but you know that's when he decides that he's got to give in to mav and then he puts in the whole thing to you know have what's his name shoot him from a long way away it really (laughs) this is like this book was like five years old i mean come on it's an opportunity to particularly in jamie's case where up until that point, it's Jamie Lannister, pretty boy, fucks his sister. 
And that's it. Best swordsman in the world, and you hate him because he's just an ass who pushes kids out windows. Yeah. Right. But you take what defines the character and, and remove it, then your character can have so much more depth. It's such a huge obstacle for a character because, especially for Jamie, it literally removes his identity. He can no longer be what he was as the best swordsman alive. He could barely pick up a sword and he has to get through that in order to continue living. And so that kind of obstacle is very defining for a story. And maybe he was a one-dimensional person before that. Mm -hmm. Even, I mean, he could have had more depth that we didn't see, or he could have just been that terrible person. But take away that, and it forces him to reevaluate everything. He must grow as a person. Yeah, and you look at Dresden. It's all about how far will he go to rescue his daughter. And you put him in, break his back, he's got nothing left. He'll do whatever it takes. We learned that Dresden doesn't have limits. Except making sure that, you know, someone kills him before he goes too far. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so the breaking the back and losing hands, those are things that happened to them. They were perfectly capable up until that point. And then there's still characters like the other Lannister boy of uh, Tyrion, so he's starting out disfigured with life mm-hmm. and having to overcome it and all of those little things. Like you're not going to really recognize that he can't reach the top shelf until you like realize, oh yeah, he's like three and a half feet tall. Even those little difficulties can be really fun to inflict on a character. Right. And especially in the Game of Thrones case, it's a really nice like, hey, this person had everything and had it taken away and then, you know, this other person was born deformed and had to like, even though he still had the name Lannister, he had to work and do all these things to. I mean, he was still a Lannister. He didn't get the recognition he wanted in his family's view, but he was still tearing Lannister. Yeah. He still had tons still of open them. doors. Yeah. Well, right. But it, it's the same kind of thing where Jamie, he's still a Lannister, even though he's minus a hand. You know, but there is that that interpersonal intrapersonal thing where you just got to um, you still got to deal with it, even though you have all these other advantages. Like if he wanted to, he never would have you never would have had to do anything ever again because he you know his family's rich and all this other stuff. Oh, rich. yeah, yeah, but he couldn't be who he was. Also, he would probably have people trying to murder him if they found out he couldn't defend himself. True. And it's Game of Thrones where everyone dies. Yeah. And so. he's made lots of enemies. Yeah. And a lot of these missing limbs, especially with like Jamie, like they're inflicted by enemies. Sometimes they're not have to be. Like uh, if it's just an accident and a wound gets infected, it's like we have to take the leg. Sorry. We can still have some like really big impacts in stories of it was in the Chronicles of Chisoli series that like if you were no longer whole, you could no longer you couldn't be like a warrior in that culture of the tribe. So like you were supposed to go kill yourself or just leave and exile yourself forever. So they'd go to insane lengths in order to keep all of their limbs, even if it was a huge risk for infection. Interesting. Makes sense though, and that's another really good way of like the internal struggle of I might die anyway, but is giving up my status worth more than my life? You know, that's a very interesting mm-hmm. character development construction stuff you can do there too. Can you guys think of any stories in which like poison uh, played a significant amount in terms poison? of like, like a failed assassination attempt is what no. comes to mind that maybe just permanently injured someone do you have any specific in mind or you i don't but it's kind of it's like the idea is clear enough that like that seems really i was gonna say a poisoning started the entirety of game of thrones yeah poisoning does usually lead to death (laughs) right (laughs) can't think of many failed i feel like there's a lot of it's a great um it's a great way to 
kick off whatever the large mm-hmm. thing is in your story, well, you know. Assassinations in general. An assassination champ, poisoning. And with the poisoning, you know, you can get a bit more of that whole mystery involved in there. Like, oh, what kind of poison was it? Does that point back to whomever? Or was the poison being of a certain, you know, national origin a uh, red herring planted there by what you know if you really want to get in that mystery side you can do the whole sherlock holmes thing on it or you could just do a uh, stormlight nope here's the assassin he did it <laughs> in front of everyone yeah uh, there's been a few times um at least in the codex Illyria is one example of poisonings happening throughout the long term in order to slowly kill someone and then figuring out like why and what is the effect it's really having. Like if someone's been poisoning you for over the course of years, how much is it affecting like say your mental stability versus just maybe physical ability to mm-hmm. ward off other diseases. Uh, like, knowing why is always fun. That yeah. just reminded me of the sixth sense and how, you know, the mother was slowly poisoned. Yeah. Munchausen's Munchausen's by proxy. Mm-hmm. Another uh, situation where a particular wound in, well, Wheel of Time has lots of wounds, but in the second book, Rand battles who he thinks is the big bad guy and basically deliberately leaves himself open to strike the killing blow and gets a wound in his left side that stays with him for the rest of the books. But then later on, he gets wounded in the same spot by a different evil bad guy who is working for a different evil. Slightly complicated. But the two evils in his wound repel each other, which is probably the reason he didn't die. But then he uses that knowledge of what those the two wounds in him are doing to each other to cleanse the male form of magic that had been poisoned by the Dark Lord by basically funneling it through the other evil magic to shed off the Dark Lord's influence of it. So he takes two wounds in his side that interact in a certain way and then uses that knowledge to do something pretty groundbreaking. Hmm. That got a little complicated. <laughs> All I could see was like this dude with like tubes sticking into this wound and like a <laughs> like a pure tube coming out. Of well, it's more like evil magic force in the wounds that repel each other. I, yes, but still, I just like, it just, that's a big yeah, thing. The whole idea like so there's the magic source that exists in the wheel and he takes that entire magic source and runs it through a filter because filter uh, yeah it's weird <laughs> but it, it changed things pretty significantly it's a lot easier if you've read the books yeah probably when it happens <laughs> but actually that's poison and wounds being used at the same time I guess it's probably a good thing that book people who write books don't have to get as many like sign offs as like movie producers do and like or movie directors like, all right, I got this idea. We're going to put the magic through the filter. Get the fuck out. (laughs) That's some producer somewhere. Yeah, I don't know how you could possibly look at that differently. It's just pretty silly sounding i don't know people can get away with a lot of crazier shit in books just because like one person reads it it's like oh this is fun and then we'll make money on this sure and then other people read it's like what the hell were you thinking right (laughs) but uh so one of the fun things to do with all of like you inflict bad stuff to characters and you're giving them literal handicaps in order to make things more difficult for them. And not always is it trying to like actually solve that difficulty. Like an example, like Fullmetal Alchemist, at least in the beginning, they're trying to get their limbs and bodies back. So it's that, that thing that's driving the plot a little bit, but it's not always that. It's just like a difficulty, like Dresden's. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's just fun. Fundamental to the motives of the characters. Mm. I- I think it was, I saw somewhere like on Reddit, someone was describing a little bit of their own story in which the character was talking to say a God and that God like lost his temper a little bit. 
and killed the person. And then like, oh no, I need them, brought them back. Except for the fact that <laughs> having been dead, they started having some issues. And I thought that was a really good example of like doing something bad to a character by coincidence or just accident happenstance. And it's okay because you know, it's doing a bad God. <laughs> Not a good idea. Yeah, don't, don't piss off God. Especially when you're in the same room with them. Probably yes. a bad idea. <laughs> but then like, it can't like be cured easily. So it's just like annoying throughout the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. With Fitz in uh, the third uh, Farisee trilogy book, he was dead for a little while. And they mm-hmm. bring him back. And yeah, it turns out being dead for a little while really does not good things for your mental stability. Yeah. Especially so yeah, with, with that for a while. Kind of having issues regularly realizing whether he's human or not. Yeah, I think being dead definitely led him toward tend towards the beast side inherently. It wasn't that one of the only ways that he actually survived the experience. Yeah. It was pretty crucial, so it kind of makes sense that you lean on it. Yeah, but not a good thing. Dying is usually a bad thing. Let's just make sure that's clear. Dying is usually a bad thing. One of my favorite lines, I think it was in 500 Years After, the book by Stephen Bruce in the Strickaren series is like, what are you afraid of? They can only kill you once or twice. (laughs) There's there's a uh, NCIS episode where the lawyer was part of the bad guys schemes. And one of the agents after they solve and catch the guy goes into the interrogation room with the criminal who thinks his lawyer's off doing stuff. And they got the lawyer behind scenes and he's like, yeah, your lawyer is not going to show up to help you. He's kind of dead. <laughs> just kind of dead. Okay. Mostly. Dead. I, always, I just always love that wording. He's not, he's not dead. He's just mostly dead. Mostly decapitated. <laughs> Nearly headless, Nick. Oh. Yeah. Mm. yeah no, but he's so that should be dead. a separate episode. We're not talking about ghosts yet, and that's Halloween. No, but he's pretty dead. Right, but another thing you can do by killing your character <coughs> and how they die is if you want to explore like your world's afterlife, you kill them and you have them spend some time you know, in Hades or Purgatory Chicago. or Chicago, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's so that's a fun thing. He was thing. only kind of dead. And so maybe you could create some rules like, okay, if you're murdered, you get a really nice house. But if you got like, if you died in some stupid way, you got like a shitty house or something. I don't know. It just it could be some fun things to do with, uh, with stories. Real estate in heaven depends on the dignity of your death. Well, yeah, that could be. That's kind of mean. So if you get murdered, you're screwed. If you get or murdered, you get murdered you're get a golden house you get okay like you could have pissed someone off and like basically caused it yourself that way so you get like a little bit less house or you just like <laughs> but if but if you were to like get murdered by because you were like throwing your body in front of a bullet to save a little child you know mm-hmm. super nice house and that that could be an entire book like realist heaven like some name some name Heaven real estate agent or something. <laughs> it talks about how people are always trying to scam their ways up to like higher say, houses. That, that gets out into the mortal world and everyone's like, fuck, all I have to do is like go out really well and I get a house. So just like, all right, I'm going to go do something. I, I like the opposite. Uh, when it was one of the uh, Halloween episodes of The Simpsons, Homer dies because he ate a piece of broccoli. And apparently it's the most poisonous thing in the world. It tries to warn you with this horrible taste. But he goes up to St. Peter thinking he's going to get into heaven. And St. Peter's like, "Mm, you know, you got to do one good deed to get into heaven. And he sends him back down as a ghost for 24 hours to do one good deed. And he almost doesn't succeed. (laughs) He ends up saving a baby falling down a staircase. Yeah. Like if, if in this fictional heaven real estate thing, people find out, they start like, I have to start the fire so some like babies are dying in an orphanage. I have to run in and save them and then die in order to try to game the system. This is great. Oh man, yeah, you have people doing horrible things just to get 
I, I would imagine the god. And then you have like oh, an investigative agency of heaven. It's like it's the insurance say, fraud. There, there, there's an IRS <laughs> auditing agent. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> This needs to be a cartoon or something. This is great. So not the real estate agent, the the insurance fraud, fraud investigator of the real estate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh, that, that'll um fun. <laughs> but back to our topic. Let's try. As he comes up with a brilliant new idea. Yeah. Let's see if we actually work on it. But let's see. Let's start with diseases. Like uh, we've mentioned plagues and how they can be all sorts of things. Um, well, a really good one I thought that really affected a world and story was the genophage in Mass Effect because of the what its purpose actually was. It's presented that the Krogan are basically dying because they can't... Uh, keep the birth numbers up, which is true. And one of the Krogan actually describes it as like, they don't care. None of the Krogan actually care enough to not kill each other. They don't want to be the scientists to fix it. They just still want to go out and kill things. Yeah, that tells you your population's got issues. Yeah. yeah. And that was why the genophage was created because they were really violent. They need to keep the population and down. And they really, really fast. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, recipe for galaxy conquering evil alien race. Yeah. So inflict the genophage on them. Keep the population kind of stable. Tweak it once in a while. You'd think and the people were just, but maybe not. And they just risk being called like a genocide agent and stuff like that. Poor Morden. Yeah. This is a good character, though. Like, it, it mm. really affected him both ways like it was a bad thing to do but for a good reason for really good reasons and that kind of struggle is always good and that's where you get a lot of for the greater good kind of things is like do we release this virus do we let it run its course or do we try to stop it which is better I mean I guess you'll always get some sort of I'm religious people saying that like you can't play god you can't fix a thing well maybe you can (laughs) i think that's also the start to a lot of like zombie movies or books or whatever where we're going to to create something to cure cancer next thing you know zombies yeah wasn't that i am legend that was the the thing they cured cancer they created something yeah i mean that we just God's always. Yeah, it's it's always whenever I see stuff like like you know, news stories about the CRISPR or whatever, I'm just like, oh, nope, this is how we die. <laughs> Been nice knowing you, humanity. <laughs> <coughs> but, like they're just so like I don't know. Zombie stories tend to have the most easy to get into like backstories. Like someone was trying to do something good, something bad happened. Well, I like uh, 28 Days Later, you know, the scientists create this rage virus for God knows what reason they did that. And PETA activists break in and free the chimpanzees infected with it. Yeah, that was great. And everyone's dead. Zombies everywhere. I guess one thing about zombies is that they almost always have really easy ways of transmission. Mm. So it's like if you attack a zombie with a sword, it spurts blood at you or whatever it spurts liquid at you yeah it really depends on the zombie because there's like i don't know there's a lot of different types of zombies (laughs) so we need to like are we talking fast runny vampire zombies like i am legend are we talking like slow moving fear the horde kind of zombies (laughs) there's so many different left for dead in which there's like all of them And plus the ones that like explode. Eight days later was so always so terrifying for me because they're just so fast. They just run. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was. The sequel was okay. I didn't see that one. Still waiting for the third one. There's a third one. Well, based on the ending of the second one, yeah. (laughs) He left it open. Also, 
introduce some plot holes that are problematic. There's now carriers of the virus. That was a thing that I didn't play much of Left 4 Dead, but like at some points. Is there a plot like, in that game? I mean, it's mostly just uh, Left 4 Dead 2 is all I played. And they're just trying to survive. They're trying to get out of the areas yeah. where all the zombies are. And a couple of points, like they get picked up by a helicopter or something. Okay, we'll take you to safety. And then the pilot of the helicopter turns into a freaking zombie. And so they crash. And it turns out the people that you're playing are uh, carriers. Oh, that yeah. sucks. They're immune to it, but they're that would explain how you everyone else. shoot zombies piling on top of you and mm-hmm. not being affected. Yeah. So like that, it's a fun thing. Like you're never going to get out of it unless you live alone on an island. You know, in that situation, it's like, hey, at least I'm not going to be a zombie. I'll just be dead. <laughs> it's always curious to me too. Is like, what do the zombies experience? Well, that's also like, depends on the there's type the of zombies. necromantic dead zombies who are dead husks of people without their souls in them, mm-hmm. and then there's like 28 days later, where you're just infected with a virus that makes you really, really angry all the time, and violent. against anyone not infected. With, I don't understand how that works. Why are they not just yeah. like attacking each other? Kind of assume that they would, except they don't. You don't really see it. Then you have your warm body zombies who are zombies because they forgot how to love. (laughs) And then there's things like uh, magical thralls where someone's taking their free will away. Those are somewhat zombies. Sort of. They kind of don't have an ailment other than uh, mind control. Yeah, it's just like... hmm. Well, look at like, uh, what are they, Remfields? Yeah, I guess it, it depends on the setting. Like, how much of an, a scar does it leave? Right. And that's something, you know, because, you know, I've had the head injuries. Um, I've been trying to, like, figure out how to write that into a story because most people don't get that, like, yeah, it's essentially like you have a cut in your brain that will never fully heal, you know? So, like, like hmm, I've been trying to figure out how to produce that as an ailment, and it's it's not as easy as you think. Having not experienced it, I cannot help. Yeah. I say psychic uh, woundings can also be psychic wound. Yeah, uh, you know there is the whole like what Molly does to people mm-hmm. in like some like you always see some kind of like mind altering in high magic setting, mm-hmm. like a show or a book or TV. Like someone's going to use it to like mess with someone's head. Well, I was thinking, in addition to Molly, what was that like? She drilled pinholes through their minds. Something like that. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the nightmare. Mm. Going around and wrapping. Yeah, the, the like, barbed wire. Yeah. The... That's terrifying. Barbed yes. wire wrapped around your soul. Just causing extreme pain to the point that they could not control themselves, were not aware of what's going on. Yeah. Not fun. So, yeah, <laughs> you can physically wound your characters or you can mentally scar them permanently. <laughs> yeah, both are fun. And both have the nor- mostly same effect. Yeah. Molly was really good, I think, in Ghoster because she caused Dresden's death in a way, and she blamed herself. And she was dealing with the psychic starring of that because mm. she used her magic to hurt Harry. Well, she's that- so sensitive anyways. Mm-hmm. But she used her magic to do it. And the kind of emotional scarring she had that they showed in Ghost Story, like I thought was great. I kind of wish she was still the ragged lady. I love that persona. You can see some of the way that she talked to Harry that she was being a little irrational. Like when he says, I came back to find who killed me. And she says, have you come to take me away? It's like she immediately blames herself for it. Don't forget the entire mental landscape he was in where it was, Pretty obvious she was dealing with a pretty heavy guilt conscience there. Yeah. Like, what's behind that door? No, we can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and Star Trek. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a little fun. Deals with that. I haven't watched enough to have any specific, but they do deal with plague and mind things and 
Oh, oh, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's like half the show. Like, let's save this race from uh, people dying. Okay. It's like the prime directive is there <laughs> until they're about to die. They're like, fuck this. <laughs> We're going to save these people. Yeah, plagues as plot drivers are fun. Like you have to try to find a cure. You have to quarantine people. You have to try to survive. There's a lot of stressors just in having a plague. Right. And there's like, do you go in quarantine areas? Do you stay out of quarantine areas? Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of stuff. Just it it almost draws the map for you. If especially if you're using like quarantine and like clean areas and dirty areas. Like it's not gonna, so you you can almost mentally all do it in your head where you're like, okay, well this is a bad, you know, this this clean area is really good and this one's not so good. I was gonna say even uh, without a plague being the plot device, it can still serve as a fantastic setting mm-hmm. boost. Like you take the Dishonored game, which I love so much. It's got nothing to do with a plague, but there's a rep plague going around the city that explains why everything's so decadent and miserable decadent not decadent what's the other word i'm thinking of desecrated not desecrated yeah falling apart but there's a different word decrepit decrepit thank you dilapidated yeah one of those something with a d (laughs) but like the plot the plague doesn't really have much to do with this plot of the story but it still helps create a city that has so much flavor to it you know what also has some weird plaguey things happening? Bloodborne. Don't understand it. Ah, <laughs> but Oh, crap. Sorry, I gotta go. It's actually Return to Yarnum, so I'm gonna go play Bloodborne. Bloodborne is cool, and I don't really understand everything yeah. that's going on in it. For You can read everything. You can read all the item descriptions because that's the only way you get any kind of... Mm-hmm. But like the pale blood and the hunt play... The beast. I don't even know if those things are like. They really don't explain what the beast plague thing is. It seems something of like they take blood from magical things, injected it into themselves. Oh right, the whole. And then they became disfigured magically with it, and something to do with the moon hunts something time period. They go crazy. That has to be. I think we've talked about this before, but how that game goes from the city is overrun with some kind of beast plague. Let's go murder beast monsters. And then Lovecraft. <laughs> with gigantic, multi-eyed, huge creature arm things. Yeah. And it's amygdala. It's the, the name of the part of your brain that processes your emotions. Yeah. And fear especially and like you walk into a, a room and like the amygdala just picks you up and slams you down on the ground but you can't see it yet it's just crazy shit because you need insight well i like how until you get to the forbidden woods you're just going through the city full of beast things and you don't know what's going on and then there's one specific moment in the forbidden woods where you come upon this guy and you're like okay it's just another beast guy and then he sprouts fucking snakes from his head like thousands of snakes and then there's snakes everywhere and it's like what the fuck's going on and then you kill a giant spider thing and all of a sudden you can see amygdala and then there's like what lovecraft mm-hmm. and then they're <laughs> everywhere they're all like all oh, that's terrifying when you be- get back to yarnum and you look out and there's just amygdalas it's on just, all of the buildings it's on the building and it's watching there's you like and it's been there forever yeah. you don't even know yeah. what's going on Oof. <laughs> a lot of mental scarring in that one too <laughs> As it sounds like for the player. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's great. Maybe that's why I'm not replaying it right now. <laughs> I, oh God. So I, I actually, this is a little dangerous territory to get into, but uh, so if you take out all the other religious and other connotations, if you look at especially like biblical writing, most plague is like God versus God or a cleansing force. Mm. Especially if you look, well, I was thinking more like, um, you know, the, the Egyptian plagues and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Where like almost everyone or every one of those plagues that was descended upon Egypt was a... Oh, God. Well, it was him. It was a direct 
a, it was a direct confrontation with an Egyptian god. So it was his way of going, hey, I'm bigger and better than you are. And I think you see that a lot in a lot of old writings where a lot of plagues are the way that gods wage war against each other. It's a weird thing, but it's like, oh, you have so many followers? Well, I'm going to send a plague and wipe them out. Well, it was a lot easier for populations back then to blame a vengeful god than to accept the reality that the world just kind of sucks. Well, yes, but I'm just saying from a, you know, if we take it from like a, yeah, you know, if someone were to sit down and actually like, okay, write this as a story and not a religious text. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't well, I get 40 K where, you know, there's an entire God of disease mm-hmm. and Jeez. like, yeah. Oh, Nurgle, Papa Nurgle. He's like one of the most benevolent chaos gods because, Hey, if you're sick, just love him. Embrace Papa Nurgle. And then he'll just keep you alive, but sick forever. Yeah. Hey, if they're dying early. <laughs> Maybe. Right. But it's like, it's the direct antithesis to the worship of the god emperor, which borders on heresy. That just everything sick or mutated or anything is just chaos evil. Don't, don't even. But like they shun those people so quickly that, well, of course you're going to go embrace Papa Nervo. The religious interactions with any form of plague is always interesting. Like a lot of it could be like the religious people are the ones who are going into the dangerous areas to care for them, giving mm-hmm. kind of like palliative care maybe. But, you know, there are definitely going to be people who are saying like, this is punishment for something. Right. And then you, I mean, it really depends. I mean, in a lot of people's writings, you know, the religious stuff is the evil guys, but you know, there is always the whole idea of we're going to keep this going because it helps our bottom line sort of evil mm-hmm. religious dude out there. Pharmaceutical. Yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, you could update it, but <laughs> yeah. Mean, so you could are. even have, it would also be a very interesting way to have sort of um, a civil, a religious civil war that once, you know, they, they, they believe in the same God, but they believe in his, in different intentions. Mm-hmm. So one one side is like, no, this is just a plague, and we're going to go help them because that's what our God, you know, says we should do. The other, you know, side, you know, the more pharisaical f- side, that uh, God is punishing, and He's punishing the sinners, so we shouldn't help them. So you could get a, you, There's all sorts of crazy stories yeah, you can get in there. Um, in Malazan, one of the principal. Well, the principal antagonist is known as the crippled god, a god that was pulled down and broken to pieces and chained to the world. Not a fun experience, but his big thing is he welcomes in, he welcomes the broken and the crippled and the sick into his little cult. And you know what? That shit catches on. There's a lot yeah. of broken and sick people in the world who want people to say it's okay. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you if you look at the rise of Christianity in the you know early post post Christ uh, era, it was almost all broken, sick, disenfranchised that were converting. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that what Jesus did? Oh yes, and but that's kind of but to to your point, yeah. I mean, that's it's a very um, real thing that would happen in the world. Don't hate people because they're sick. That's pretty simple. Mm. Yeah. I just thought of, like, maybe you should hate people who are sick if they're trying to make other people sick. Well, well yeah, like, but those are, that, those are called I, just like, I don't hate them because they're sick. I hate them because they're trying to make other people sick. Yeah, I was just like, that's a, if I even a hate them. fun, rebellious kind of person. People. In a plague setting, like... I'm going to die in a couple of days of a terrible death. I'm pissed off. I'm going to make sure everybody else deals with it. I mean, that's what I got with Carolyn's story. Mm-hmm. That Trout Man isn't necessarily a hateable person, except for the fact that, you know, he's channeled his anger into trying to make everyone else sick. Yeah. Don't and be a lot like of that. dead people. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> 
there's just so many things that you have to deal with of, of a plague, especially if you have it in a medieval setting of like, how do you deal with the dead bodies? Because if you don't get rid of them, they will make other plagues. But you have to like actually interact with them in order to deal with them making other people sick. Yeah. Well, Which is why if, you know that. But if you have modern day, you, then you get into the whole, okay, do we let these sick people into highly populous regions so people will spend money on the cure? Or do we do the, or do you have the evil pharmaceutical company who's like, all right, let's just make sure it stays going forever. You know, there, there's a lot of different things you can do even in today's, you know, setting. Also something of kind of more modern settings or at least modern fears is the idea of bioterrorism. Like smallpox right. is almost entirely stamped out, but some people <laughs> have still have it and they could unleash it. Things like that. In the, in I the, hate uh, Oops, sorry. Um, I was going to say, I hate to use Dan Brown <laughs> because it's Dan Brown, but I'm a secret enjoyer of Dan Brown's novels. Uh, the Inferno is the last one I read, but the entire point of that book was that there was this genetically engineered virus that would sterilize a third of humanity to curb overpopulation. So it's similar to the genophage that hey, we're actually kind of dealing with a crisis here of overpopulation, and someone's just going to make a virus to deal with it. You could also make a really great sort of bottle book with, with bottle like, book. like you, 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 have you ever heard the, uh, the concept of a bottle episode? I don't think so. Well, uh, I know the community episode. Right, that's a prime example of a bottle episode. But like, so, you know, you have a vi- like you know, one of those really long flights, so it takes off and they have the virus and like the virus like wrecks havoc in the world in like 24 hours. It's like where you set down and all this other stuff. And, you know, and so you also have that clicking talk of like how much fuel do you have in the tank? And so you could, you could do some really interesting stuff about the people in like the plane or, or you, know, you want to go a little far future, the people coming back from the moon or Mars and, you know, the, yeah, there, there's all sorts of fun stuff you could do with that, where you could have a really tight, intimate, scary tent setting, uh, just because they, if they touch the ground, they're going to die. You know, floor is lava, but with a more believable plot twist or more believable setup. If you have a, a kind of time clock thing of like you're in a plane, you have a limited amount of fuel. That would be a, a fun, very stressful setting because, like, say, government might have to like if you try to land, I have to shoot you down type right. thing, mm. it, which would also cause a huge uproar, almost no matter what they do. And so, then, you know, depending on how things go, you could have people on the plane start turning and maybe like the pilots go crazy. You know, there, there's all sorts of crazy shit. That was, who's seen World War Z, the movie? Yo. The fucking zombie in the plane. In the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> How did you get from Jerusalem to over Scotland before Zombie in the Plane became apparent? Uh, I mean, sleep? I've never seen this thing, so it's uh, like I don't know what kind of mechanics. Yeah, but it would be just to have some someone barricade themselves in a, the bathroom that long with there would be issues. Also, that you know, he was one of what like two people that survived a plane crash. Yeah. Um. One of the things I did actually enjoy about Inferno, though, is that it had the racing clock of this sterility virus is going to be unleashed in the world at this time. And he gets there, and he finds it. And the countdown wasn't when the virus was going to be released. The countdown was when the entire world would be infected. So some people were getting infected. No, the entire world's infected. He was too late. Oh. So it's the plot twist. It's out. Yeah, it is a fun little twist that, hey, you get a virus, you get a beat. Oh, wait, no, you already lost. Way all before you even started the book. But then you have the whole, like, I mean, yeah, a third of humanity getting sterilized is terrible, but, you know, it's not, you know, a third of humanity dying dying, or, you know, three fourths of humanity dying or all, you know, it's it's a. Hey, at least a. some part of that population who have been sterilized will actually enjoy the fact. Yeah. <laughs> they would, there would be 
Could you imagine that world? Could you imagine like the dating sites? Like yeah, you have to mark it's like (laughs) sterile, non-sterile. But or just it would be just just for like the people who have been infected. Like all right, let's party. We know we can't get pregnant. (laughs) It's actually really you know only a short-term solution because that virus can't pass itself on. Right, but the other the other issue is that. If a third of the population knows they're sterile, there's probably a chunk of those who are going to be way more risky with their sexual behavior. So you're probably going to see this nice big uptick in STDs. Like, like oh no, 40% of the population has AIDS. <laughs> so you get one virus that's causing other viruses. Right. It's the unintended consequences. You know? Yeah. That's fun with injuries and diseases. Oh, yeah. Or injuries and diseases as a result of unintended consequences. Dresden wants to save his neighbors. Now he can't actually do the main plot point. Mm-hmm. But it's never an option for him to not save his neighbors. I mean, how do you not help people in a burning building? Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're here. Well, with Harry's aversion to fire i wouldn't blame him but that's not harry dresden yeah and it's just even establish it in other books of like in small favor he takes 10 20 minutes to you know shovel the walkway because his neighbors are too old to do it it's just never an option for him to not right harry dresden's a good guy Mm -hmm. he wants to be anyway he tries (laughs) i did kind of enjoy in that in changes when he breaks into his landlord's room and she <laughs> thinks untold things of him. Yeah, she points a gun at him and can't hear what he says and I really enjoyed her uh, misunderstandings it's of what he said. so cliche, but it's cliche because it's always funny. And it's true. It's a fire, there's a fire. What? No, shut up. I'm not gonna fire. Hey, there's a fire! <laughs> it always works. Yeah. I mean, some of the best humor is misunderstandings in the first place. Yes. I hate it when misunderstandings become a plot point, though. Yes. Thank you. Every romantic thing in the world. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to tell you something important. Not now. I hate it. It's just people being stupid in order to create problems. Yes, that is probably my least favorite trope of all time. Especially when you set up the characters to be smart. Mm Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. if they're an expert in their field and they deliberately don't get all the information needed. Yeah. Yep. Don't do that. If you describe a stupid person and they act stupidly, that's okay. The problem is don't build up an intelligent person and then you, make them the act only thing, The only way you can pull that off well is if you can build in a blind spot for the character. Like they get, well, Harry and his kid. He gets really stupid because of his kid. It's yeah. a very understandable blind spot, but he gets stupid because of her. Like yeah, he does he some really stupid. Twists. He t- hurts yeah. his friends mm-hmm. because the kid. Right, Randall Thor, who is the Dragon Reborn and is infested with the mind of the original dragon, has a serious issue when it comes to women dying in his name. And the role he plays as the Dragon Reborn, he's an inspirational figure that everyone's going to follow. There are women fighters in the world they're going to die and he can't handle that. And it just becomes this long psychic scar in his mind. He remembers every name of every woman who died in his name. And that's how he loses his hand. He flings himself in front of his girlfriend to make sure she doesn't die rather than Mm. just making sure he protects himself. Well, protecting your girlfriend does make a lot more sense. True. But he has a serious issue more so than Dresden when it comes to women being her. That's saying something. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, like where at least Dresden, you know, can accept that Murphy's gonna fight. Mm-hmm. He realizes that protecting her doesn't protect her much no, because then she can't stand on her own. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, that's a good your character development thing from the books because he does try to protect her too much in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm. So you you get to see that really good change in 
his permission. Um, yeah, I'm in the middle of reading Last Call. And I enjoy when they go to knock on the uh, gangbangers, not the gangbanger, but the uh, bit time brewer guy. I forget his name. The big mm. guy that tried to beat him up in the other one. Yeah, one. yeah. I don't know. The, the thug. Yeah, the thug. And Murphy goes to get him, and Preston kind of just sits back and he's like, Yeah, the guy doesn't know what he's coming. <laughs> so, unless we can think of more things, probably about time oh. to wrap this sucker up. Yeah, I think at this point we're probably just going to end up repeating ourselves. Oh, we didn't talk about the psychic baby that one, what that did to Dresden. <laughs> I wrote that down for a reason because it's funny. Maybe that's what our next episode should be. Psychic. The rabbit hole of unintended consequences and how far we should go. Ooh. Actually, that's a good idea. Unintended consequences. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Funny, there cool. you go. No, there you go, audience. You have something to look forward to next time. We never uh, have topics picked up beforehand. This is great. On occasion. Too, on occasion. Uh, we are High Fantasy, uh, as always, and members of the Broken Jars Broadcasting family. You can find us at brokenjars.xyz. Email us, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. You can send us your hard-earned money via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash brokenjars. Uh, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Ingles. Uh, and I'm fairly active. The rest of these two jokers aren't, but, you know, hey. whatever. I don't like Twitter. <laughs> Um, also, please send us ideas if you have ideas for yes. podcast material. And we we yeah. promise to start doing this at the start of the show, so you'll actually listen to it because we know no one is like we're like oh, time for the ending. Stop, <laughs> no one ever finishes. But then they yeah. miss out because once in a while we continue the conversation. Like we hate the ending, so we just continue the end. <laughs> hey, I hate the middle, not the ending. <laughs> but we also hate ending. <laughs> the beginning's the only good part. Because you haven't run into problems yet. Also, we should definitely do a, a collaborative work on the fraud Insurance investigator. Fraud of <laughs> okay. Okay, I, I'm down. This this would be an amazing set of like short stories. We could do like three or four like novellas as a set of like different short stories from like case to case. <laughs> All right, someone make the Trello card for the, um, so we can start world building this shit. Also, for the next week, unintended unintended consequences so we don't forget. All right, well, we will see y'all in two weeks. So until then, have a good time. Bye.